Well, good morning, everybody. I uh, was away last weekend, and uh, Pastor Tom preached an amazing message. I was I was able to listen to it online afterwards um, about freedom, um, the freedom that God has made available to us as followers of Christ, um, and uh, and it was just super impacting to me. Um, he read down through Romans chapter six kind of that, that whole chapter in the message version. And uh, as I was listening to it this past week, there was this one part of Romans chapter 6 that just, that just stuck with me. I don't know if you've ever had like a, a scripture that just, it just leaps out at you and just kind of rattles around until it finds a place to rest. And uh, um, Romans chapter 6, verse 22, I wanted to read that together today. Um, it's kind of like our key keynote verse. And so if you would, I know you just sat down, but could you just stand with me to honor the reading of God's word? Um, God has much more to say than I do. Um, Romans chapter 6, verse 22, in the message trans paraphrase, says this, but now that you've found you don't have to listen to sin tell you what to do, that was, that's, that's a loaded part of the verse. That could, that could preach an entire message. Um, and have discovered the delight of listening to God telling you, what a surprise. This is it. This last part, I love it. He says, a whole, healed, put together life right now with more and more of life on the way. Doesn't that sound good? Lord Jesus, I pray that you would speak to us today about what it looks like to live a blessed life. What it looks like to live a whole, healed, put together life right now with a whole lot more of that stuff on tap. What it looks like to live that right now in our day, not for some sweet by and by that maybe with, when Jesus takes us into glory, we get to live with him. But God, what does it look like to live a blessed life today? In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You can be seated. Um, I want to take a look. That, that, I love that part. He says, a whole healed, put together life right now. Nothing, in other words, like nothing missing, nothing broken, with more and more life on tap, with more of that on the way. Um, to me, that's like the definition of, of a blessed life. That's the definition of, of what it looks like to truly live a life after God with blessings coming into our life. And I want you to notice something, um, it, <clears throat> that the whole healed, put together, abundant life comes through. Look at the first part of that, of that verse. It comes through something different. It actually comes through listening to what God is telling you to do. <laughs> we love that. And not only that, but in order to live this blessed life, he uses this odd word in there, and you can see it. He uses this word to that we, are, we will now discover the delight. That word delight. The delight of listening to what God is telling you to do. Um, and many times, we will do what God tells us to do because he told us to do it. And because we don't want to become like a smudge stain in the, in the carpet. Like we want, we want to honor God. We want him to be happy with us. And so we do what he tells us to do. But this idea that there's a way that we can come to discover the delight of listening to what God tells us to do. In other words, we listen to it, we love it, we delight in it, we do it, and then we're blessed. This is kind of that cycle that, that, that's kind of being spelled out for us here in Romans chapter 6, verse 22. Um, and we're going to be talking over the next few weeks, this new sermon series about what it looks like to live a blessed life. And I've entitled it Hashtag Blessed. And uh, I, 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 I titled it purposefully Hashtag Blessed because, um, well, I see that Hashtag Blessed thing 
just thrown out all over social media. Um, when, whenever, whenever something good happens, whenever we, we get a raise, we get more money, we get a gift, it's kind of this hashtag blessed afterwards. And, and I fear that in our current culture, in our current, whether American culture or American Christian culture, that we've really dumbed down what it means to be blessed. We've dumbed down what blessing looks like into hashtag blessed. I get more money. I'm hashtag blessed. I got a new job. I'm hashtag blessed. I have good friends. Hashtag blessed, right? Like I, I, uh, my, my kid got signed on to the New England Patriots. Ha- hashtag blessed. I mean, it wasn't me. It was the Lord. <laughs> Jesus, right? A little bit of me, but mostly the Lord, right? Hashtag blessed, you know. Uh, Someone pays me a compliment. I can't. Hashtag blessed. I receive a gift. Hashtag blessed, right? Like, I want you to notice something that that whenever we, whatever we follow with hashtag blessed doesn't really identify a healed, whole, put together, abundant, overflowing life. All of those things are, are things that I like. Things that have come to me, gifts that have been given to me, I'm hashtag blessed. Now, when we look in Scripture, Jesus actually has a very different definition of blessing than I do, than we do, than our culture does. When he talks about blessing, it it looks dynamically different. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Um, It's kind of a weird place to have a quote of Jesus because it's the book of Acts. But Paul actually quotes Jesus in the book of Acts in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. This is what Paul says. He says, in everything I did, I I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, and this is what he's quoting from Jesus, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And now that sounds really good. And like we like to, we nod our heads to that. We're like, mm-hmm. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And you know, because we, well, Jesus said it. So like it's in red. We should probably, he likes it when we nod at things that he says. You know, we just, mm-hmm, amen, preacher, preach it. You know, we, we, we like those things. Here's the trouble. I don't know if we really believe it. You know, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And if I, if I was honest, I usually measure blessing by what I've received. I don't know about you. Like maybe you're different than me and, and I'm just unholy and, and you, you aren't unholy. I, I, I have a hard time seeing blessing as me having less. I don't know. You ever lose something, give something away, hashtag blessed, right? I mean, that, that never happens. My car broke down, hashtag blessed, right? <laughs> like nobody does that. When I have less, I look at that as a curse. That's not a blessing. So when Jesus says it is more blessed to give than to receive, I nod my head to it at church, but like as soon as I leave and I'm looking at what I have, I'm kind of like, no, it's actually better for me to, to receive than it is for me to give. And and I love this because essentially I measure blessing by getting and Jesus measures blessing by giving. And not just for giving for the sake of giving. He actually wants us, like we just saw in uh, in Romans 6, he wants us to have a heart to give. 
like uh, he wants us essentially to, to have this desire, this delight to give. Not reluctantly, not out of routine, not because, well, we just want Jesus to be happy with us. He wants us to delight in it. And he actually says, I want you to be a cheerful giver. Cheerful. I'm a cheerful receiver. I don't know if I'm necessarily a cheerful giver, right? This is what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 6. He says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. It doesn't say God loves a giver. God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, I like the, so that in all things and in all times, having all that I need, I will abound in every good work. But we get that in a weird way. We don't get that from receiving, which is how I would normally compute having all that I need all the time whenever I need it. He says you get that through being a cheerful giver. Because for God, it is always about the heart. It's not just about the gift. It's about the heart behind it. And Paul's saying that a generous heart is the key to an abundant life. That's what Paul's outlining for us. And whenever we say generosity, like I know, like I've been around church long enough, like as soon as we say generosity, it's like, okay, Mildred, I told you, he's just going to pass the plate again. He just wants more money for the church, and I told you that we're not coming back here. Like, that's normally where we go. We're like, generosity equals, equals money. And I, would want, I, I want to put this out very clear to you. When we're talking about generosity, we're talking about hashtag blessed and living a blessed life. I'm not just talking about money. Does it include money? Yes. But it is more than money. And I believe that this is a, a prophetic word for someone in here today. I wrote this down last night that if you limit generosity to finances, you are way underestimating what God is wanting to bless you with. Let me say that again. If you limit generosity to finances, you are way underestimating what God is wanting to bless you with. So does it include money? Yeah, but it is so much more than that. Um, generosity can look like freedom of time, of giving of time, of friendship, of serving. Sometimes generosity just looks like asking this question. How can I help? How can I help? What can I do? How can I be of service? So the question is this, like if this is true, like we read this throughout the Bible, then, then why are more people not generous? Like if, if a heart of, of generosity is how God measures blessing out into our life, then why is it so hard for me to part with my money? Why is it so hard for me to part with my stuff, with my time, with my attention? I mean, literally, why is it so hard for me to part with the things that, that I, I consider important to me? Because here's, here's the reality. When, when someone knows the right thing to do and they don't do it, the problem is not an understanding problem. You know what the right thing to do is. The problem is a heart issue. It's that you, you, you know the right thing to do, and yet you're not going to do it. In other words, I know. It's not an understanding. I hear it. I clear it. It's red. I heard it. I just don't want to do it. 
My heart's not there. In other words, my heart hasn't caught up with my head. So it's not an understanding issue. It's actually a heart issue. And the one thing about, about the heart is this, and I've learned this about myself, is that it's very difficult to see your heart for yourself. Other people might be able to maybe see, see it in you, but the, the problem is that we live out of our heart. We make decisions out of our heart. We respond to situations out of our heart. And it's very difficult for me to be able to see my heart truly for the way it is. I, I, I like to think that I'm, I'm just the happy-go-lucky, best person. Everybody loves me, and, and that I never have a bad day. And, like, I, I don't understand why people think that I do. Because it's very difficult to see ourselves in the mirror. There's this other word that we use called mindsets. Mindsets, like these attitudes that kind of fly in the background behind the scenes. And we don't even realize that we have these mindsets. Some of them are demonic mindsets. Some of them are just family mindsets that have been kind of passed down to us. In other words, we don't realize that we're making decisions or, or responding to situations or pre-deciding before we walk into situations out of these mindsets. But so many of us walk into these things and even deal with God based upon mindsets. Some of them are good, and some of them aren't so good. And so what I want to do is I want to spend some time. We're going to go over three mindsets today. Uh, some, of them, some of them are, are good. This first one, this isn't the, the best mindset to have, but if I'm, I'd be lying to say that I don't fall into it at times. And, I, and I've, the first mindset is called this, if you're taking notes, the, the bag mindset. The bag mindset. Let me explain to you. The bag mindset is where whatever you have in your bag— and everybody has a bag, you look in your bag, and you think, I don't have enough to be generous. That's the bag mindset. You look in your bag, and you're like, I got all these things in my bag. I would be generous, but I don't have enough in here to be generous. And I love how Haggai 1.6 in the New King James Version describes it so well. Just let me know if, this, if you can relate to this. It says this, you've sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And I love this. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes in it. You ever felt like that? Like, you're like, dude, I got a bag, Pastor Justin. I got stuff in my bag. Whether those are like, whether that's finances, whether those are giftings, whether, th whether that is time, whether these are my relationships, I'm just telling you, I think there's holes in this bag. Because I never have enough to be generous. I'd like to be generous, and yet I have a bag that leaks. I don't know if you ever feel like this before. You'd like to be generous, but as you look in there, you just think, I don't have enough. And this bag, this bag mindset says, I wish I could, but I don't feel like I ever have enough. And here's the problem. If we boil this mindset down, essentially, we are putting our faith in a bag. I know you're like, well, there's more in the Lord. It's actually, it's just you're putting your faith in a bag. And the kicker is that when you put your faith in a bag, it really doesn't matter the size of the bag. It never feels like it's full enough to be generous. Does that make sense? Let me show you. I wanted to, I, I have like some, I uh, wanted to kind of illustrate some things. I like to do that every once in a while. So I was like, I was going to bring out a bag and I was talking to my wife and I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I'm talking about generosity. I'm talking about this bag mindset. And I don't want people to think that I'm just talking about money. So I don't want to put money in the bag. So what should I put in the bag? And she threw out a couple ideas. And she said, well, what about toilet paper? I was like, that's why I married you. You are, you are a genius. <laughs> so, so she's like, try some toilet paper. Now, here's the thing. 
Some of you, your bag looks like this, okay? <laughs> you, if you've ever gone hiking, you know what this bag is, right? You look in your bag and you're like, I am just hoping to the dear Lord in heaven that the call of the wild does not come, right? Like, you're like, I would love to share with you, but I cannot spare a square. Like, this is a one wiper and it may not go so well, right? So I, you, and listen, some of you are in here today. I've been there. Look, look, I'm just telling you, Katie and I, when we first got married, this was our bag. We did not have a bag. We had a baggie, okay? <laughs> we had a pocket. We had our hands, whatever was in it that we didn't even need a bag, right? And so like, you're looking in your bag and you're like, listen, I, I'd love, I'd love to be able to share with you, but I really don't have enough. Like, and if I give you some of this, it's not going to go well for me, right? So that's your bag. Maybe you, this is you. You're kind of walking around. This is your bag. And then some of you, you've got, you got a bag with actually some stuff in it. Like, okay, I'm good. And you're thinking, you know, I'm one, two, three, four. I, here's the deal. I ate a Hot Pocket this morning. And, and this... This may be in use, right, completely, and I, I'd love to be able to share with you, but I don't have enough to, to be generous. Like, and, and, and you're kind of looking at it like, I know I should be able to, to be generous, but everything that goes into this bag, I don't know if it's got holes in it or what, but like everything that goes in here, I need it. It's all spoken for. I'd love to be generous. Believe me, I'd love to give you all. I, I don't want to give you any of it, but I'd love to give you some, theoretically, but I just don't have enough. And then some of you, you, you come in and you've got a, I mean, you got a bag, okay? Like, you're like, this is a stinking bag full of toilet paper. And you're kind of, you kind of look at it and you're like, well, I've been saving up. And I mean, I, I, I would be generous, but I really, I don't. I don't really have enough to, I don't really have enough to be generous yet. Like I'm kind of still, I was still saving up. I was hoping for a little bit more, maybe another bag to be able to, to share that in. And the person over here, it's like, are you stinking kidding me right now? Like you, 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 let me hear this. You don't have enough to be able to spare a square with me. And yet this is my bag. Yeah, I just, I was, I was thinking that, you know, I was, I'd be further along by now, you know, and I, I uh, you know, my pension, and I got, and, and here's, here's my point. It doesn't matter how big your bag is, you can still have a bag mindset. Look it, you go from this size bag, maybe in your early 20s, you get this size bag, and maybe you've, you, you've graduated onto a different bag. Here's the problem. You, when you had this size bag, you thought, if I ever had a whole roll, I'd give it to everyone, Right? Or you play that what-if game. If I won the lottery, I'd give 90% of it away, right? Mm, I don't know about that. Because we think that the problem and in in everything that, we, that we're looking at is our bag, and we're realizing we're putting our faith in a bag, and it doesn't really matter how big the bag is, how full the bag is, because when you have your faith in a bag, you're not really focused or putting your faith in an abundant God. I could just have a little bit more that would then maybe maybe I'd have enough to be able to to give and it's funny to, to laugh about like toilet paper and stuff like that but 
But each of us have a bag that we, that we hold on to and, you know, we hold in our hands and think, like, I, don't, I don't have enough. Because no matter how big your bag is, when you're trusting in your bag, it's difficult to also be trusting in God. This is why Jesus says you can't serve both God and mammon. In other words, you can't serve both God and your bag. Who are you serving? So this bag mindset is the same mindset that that, uh, Judas had. And he was never really that popular, right? John chapter 12, there's this story. You've probably heard it or read it before where Mary, she comes in and she breaks open the alabaster box. She takes this this pint of pure nard, which is this expensive perfume. And um, in in, in verse 3, she pours it on Jesus' feet and she wipes it in with her hair. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it's like, whoa, this this is too much. What are you doing right now? This is a little bit radical. It says, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. I mean, talk about generosity. It was a year's worth of wages that she just lavished on Jesus's feet. And I don't want you to miss this, that it was her gratitude. It was her gratitude that produced radical generosity in her. That was the thing that caused her to do something so radically generous that everybody's looking at her like, whoa, what in the heck are you doing? It's kind of like this. it's kind of like this you know you just kind of she just looks up and she's just wanting to meet needs right she just looks up and she does something so radical everybody else is counting their toilet sheets and she just she just starts she just starts goes crazy. Everybody else is like, well, I just, if I had one more, I'd probably give it to Jesus. I just, and she just walks in and just goes, just throws it everywhere. And everyone's looking at her like, what is your deal? Why are you so radically generous? And I would say this, you only become radically generous when you understand exactly what Christ has done for you. To the point where this woman, I'm very sorry, not sorry. To the point where this woman looks at her toilet paper and she's like, it's toilet paper. Why am I thinking that all of my my hope and my my faith and my future and and my security and my salvation and my healing is going to come through toilet paper? So everybody else is looking at her like, you just wasted a ton of awesome perfume. She's like, it's perfume. And it pales in comparison. It pales in comparison to what Christ had done in her. This was a woman who thought, I couldn't ever do enough to be able to repay what it is that Christ has done in my life. And let me remind you, Christian, that your bag is not your provider. Your bag is not your healer. Your bag is not your savior. That is the job that is held for the creator God that gives you breath in your lungs as we speak. He's your provider. He's your healer. And he's your savior. Amen? Amen. (laughs) I want to say something, and and if I haven't offended you already, I probably will. 
Um, it might still tick you off. So I'm an equal opportunity offender. Um, here's, here, this is what the Lord was like talking to me about this week is this. You can be a giver and still have a bag mindset. You know that? That's not very popular. You, you can be a giver. Like you can, you can be doing things that others might consider generous and yet still have a, have a bag mindset. And let me, let me explain. Sometimes, you know, when, when church, when we talk about giving, and, and we've, not this church, but, you know, Christianity at large has not done a great job at this. We, we, you know, we'll have testimonies of, you know, like, hey, um, I, I started giving, and then I had this need, and random checks in the mail came, and this happens, and it's amazing, and we like, this is so awesome, and like, I can't even believe that, that God just blessed and paid back. I gave 100, got back 120. Like, this was an amazing deal, and we sing songs, well, not recently, but like, back in the 90s, we're like, give, and it will come back to you. Pressed down, shaking together, and running. That was my over. Right, you remember that song? Anyone remember that song? Like, that was my jam, right? Come on, that was my jam. Like, and here's the thing. We, we hear these testimonies, we sing these songs, and we get, this is the sneaking thing that starts to creep into our minds. We'd never say this out loud, and it's really awkward that I would actually be saying it because I'm probably going to offend you, but, but this, is the, this is the thing that comes in. Okay, Lord. I don't want to give to you, but I, I gonna, I'm going to give. I'm going to give what's this, this, what's in my bag, but, but I'm giving expecting that you're going to pay it back to me with interest. I, I want to get, so I'm going to give. I, I, I'd like to get more, so I'm going to give more. And can I just say, that is a revelation of getting. It's not a revelation of giving. It's not the revelation that God is trying to communicate through his word or through the experience of being a Christian. It's not the revelation of getting. It's the revelation of giving. This is why Jesus always comes down in an awkward way that it's not about the size of your bag or the size of a gift or whatever. It is about the heart behind it. I wish he'd stop talking about it. But he keeps saying, it's about the heart. It's about the heart. And if you're taking notes this morning, I love this. He says, it says that God doesn't simply bless giving. He blesses giving with the right heart. That's what he blesses. Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be, or will be also. And I, I've been around this Christian thing for a while, and I don't know if you ever noticed this, and maybe you've accidentally done this. A lot of times, this scripture is actually quoted backwards. We'll say it backwards. In other words, we'll say, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. It doesn't say that. It actually says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I want to I point out this distinction because I think it's important that your treasure doesn't follow your heart. Your heart follows your treasure. Where you put your money is where your heart will go to. Let me explain this to you in case you're like, I don't quite, quite get the understanding here. So if, if you don't invest in the stock market, let's say you got no stock, you got nothing, right? You can read down through those letters and stuff and the ups and the downs and the arrows and you'll be like, 
I don't, I, I don't know who or what NASDAQ is. I don't know who Mr. Jones is, Dow Jones. I have never met him. Like, I don't know why I should care about if he's up or down or what's going on with Mr. Jones. But as soon as you start to put your money into the stock market, let me just tell you, you start to pray for Mr. Jones. Be like, oh, Mr. Jones, Lord, I pray that you would give Mr. Jones um, everything he has coming to him. I pray that lift and increase in Jesus' name to Mr. Dow Jones. God, we pray for NASDAQ, whoever they are, whatever they are, just, just please bless them, right? All of a sudden, when we put our money into something, our heart follows. Why? Because part of our treasure's there. And because part of our treasure's there, part of our heart's there. Because our heart follows our treasure. And essentially what Jesus is saying and telling each and every single one of us, he's saying, invest in where you want your heart to be. Invest in where you want your heart to be. Sometimes we're wondering, we're waiting, just saying, well, if I just get a few more rolls of toilet paper, then I'm going to start being generous. And Jesus is saying, start investing and putting your roll of toilet paper, investing it in others, and your heart will follow. Your heart will catch up. That's, that's this, this spiritual principle that Jesus is, is explaining. So that's the whole bag, the bag mindset. The second one is this. I made a huge mess. Um, the second one is the basket mindset. The basket mindset. This is the person, and maybe this is some of you in here, that man, you just can't, you just love. You literally have found out what that whole delight in giving or this cheerful giver thing is all about. And you're that person, like, you, you just see a need, and you're like, I can't wait to meet it. Oh, my gosh. Nothing gets me going like I can, me like, meeting a need of somebody. You're at the grocery store, and you see a single mom who just looks like she's struggling, and you're just like, I cannot wait to pay for her groceries. 250 Just, no, just kidding. Just kidding. I wasn't, no, but we want to move forward. We want to pour into somebody. So when the need arises, we cannot help but try to meet it. This is the basket mindset. Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says, give away your life and you'll find life given back. But not merely given back, given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting is the way. And then he says this, generosity begets generosity. And so there's this, there's this story in John chapter 6 and I've preached on it before. Um, it's about the feeding of the 5,000. And uh, essentially, if you've never, never read it before, it's lunchtime, there's a crowd of 5,000 people, and there's, there's no plan for food, nobody called for Subway. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, where are you guys going to get food? And, and the disciples freak out, and you can read it for yourself in John chapter 6. They freak out. Why do they freak out? They freak out because they didn't have a bag big, big enough to meet the need. So they're looking, saying, Jesus, like, this is the bag we have. Um, even if they had this size bag, it's not enough to, for 5,000 people. So I, what do you mean? What are we going to do to be able to feed all these 5,000 people? I mean, I'd love to be able to help them out, not. But if, I, if we had more, I'd totally do it. But we do, our bag isn't big enough to meet the need that's in front of us. And all they could see was their lack. Have you ever been there in life? where like God has blessed you and he's blessed you and he's blessed you and all you can see is the lack that's right in front of your face. Like, like the, the, the problem rises up, the need, the bill that you can't pay rises up and it's the biggest thing that you can see and you fail to be able to see the blessings that God has been able to provide over the years and you see 
lack. And this is where these disciples were. And then all of a sudden, Andrew, one of the disciples, speaks up in verse 9. I don't know if he beat this little boy up or what, but he says, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But, I mean, how far is that going to go among so many people? You know, I think sometimes we read this story and we think about the disciples, we think about the crowd, we think about Jesus and this multiplication and all of that. And sometimes we miss the hero of the story. The hero of the story is this little boy. This little boy, I mean, obviously, if he had a, a bag mindset, he would have said, yeah, look, guys, I'd love to be able to give you some of my, some of my lunch that I brought, but um, I don't have enough to be generous. In fact, I have just enough for me, and if I give you some of what I have, that means that there's less for what I have. And so I'd love to be able to, but, but sorry. But that's not what we see with this little kid. This kid has a basket mindset. Like, we, he, he, he sees the need, they ask him, and then he chooses not to trust in what he had in his basket. He chooses to trust in what God could do with the little that he did have in his basket. So this kid, he just kind of, kind of gives it over. And if you're taking notes this morning, this is what it says, is that when, when we let go of what is in our hands, God lets go of what's in his hand. When we let go of what is in our bag, then he lets go of what is in his bag. And let me just tell you, his bag's a whole lot bigger than yours. What does Jesus do? He takes what's been given to him, this five loaves and two fish, and he blesses it. And then he, he, he has his disciples start sharing it. And it's as they start sharing the small little that they did have, not knowing what in the world or how they were actually going to eat at the end of this thing, they're passing it out. That's when the miracle happened. That's when the multiplication happens. In other words, I'm giving, and I'm, but I don't know how this is all going to work out, but I'm trusting that I'm going to have lunch at the end of this. I'm trusting that if you're providing for all this, then you're going to keep providing for me. And it didn't make sense to them. I'm sure of it when they were passing it out. And it doesn't make sense to us today. But I just want you to know that God is still in the business of blessing and multiplication when it comes to obedience and trust in him. He's still in that business. He's still in the business of taking whatever little we have and doing more than we could ever hope, imagine, or even ask for. This kid is my hero. This kid that has a little basket with a little bit of food, this little boy who didn't have enough, but knew that in the hands of Jesus, it was going to be more than enough, and there were 12 basketfuls left over. They had absolutely more than enough, which means for you and for me, you are never without something to offer. Yeah, but I just, I mean, you know, I don't think you understand how small my bag is. I'm just, you are never without something to offer. Jesus was able to do the impossible through some unremarkable kid in the middle of a huge crowd who was the only one that was willing to say, how can I help? I don't understand, God, how you're going to do this, but, but how, how can I help? And this, this, this basket mindset, some of you, I know you in here, you, you're the people who, who see a need and you're like, I can meet that need. I mean, nothing gets you more excited than being able to, to, to meet a need from our abundant God. Because I don't have a bag with holes in it. I have a basket 
that God can fill to abundance. Amen? The third one is this, the barn mindset. So we got, we got bag, all the bees. We got the bag, the, 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 we've got the, the basket, and we've got the barn mindset. This is someone who knows that God is infinitely more than enough. He is infinitely more than enough. And here's the reality that I know to be true in my own life. If you're faithful with your baggie, and you're faithful with your bag, and you're faithful with your bigger bag, and you're faithful with your basket, then you will be faithful when God fills your barns to overflowing. This is what happens to Joseph in Genesis chapter 42. He was faithful, and through his faithfulness, he was able to, in the time of a famine, feed all of Egypt from all the grain that he was able to store up in his barns, not for himself, but for others. He was able to meet a need that nobody was able to meet. Luke chapter 12, I want to end with this scripture. Verse 16, he says, um, Jesus is telling a parable, and it says, the ground of a, of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And, and I'll say to myself, self, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Why don't you take life easy? Move to Boca Raton. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. I want you to understand something. Like even in, the, in this scripture, like God was not mad at this guy because he was blessed. God was the one who blessed him. He was mad at this guy because the guy never learned how to live a blessed life. He thought everything that kind of came into to, to him, into his bag, was supposed to be for him. And this guy had barn blessings with a bag mindset. He had barn blessings with a bag mindset. And I don't know about you, and I mean this respectfully, but I think that that would really describe many of us in America today. Barn blessings, but a bag mindset. I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. Is this thing on? Yeah. Jesus would say to us, it's not about how much is in your bag. It's not about how big your bag is. Be, be diligent in learning to live a blessed life. It's learning to live to trust and to be obedient, whether you've got a baggie or, or a grocery bag or, or a big black bag or, or, or a basket or a barn. Learn to be trusting and obedient with that which God has given you. And remember how Jesus said, it's more it's more blessed to give than to receive. In your notes, it says this, that he blesses us to the measure, the measure that we give. And the key to, to, a, to a blessed life is the heart of generosity. I, I, you know, I think for, for me, um, for Katie and I, like, I, I, even with this whole bag mindset, like, we, I, I get stuck in this bag mindset myself. Like, even with my own giving, my own generosity in my own life and my own family. If I look in my bag, I think, there's not enough 
there's not enough to give. Like, I'd love to be generous, but I don't have enough to give. I was talking to somebody the other day about, um, about tithing that was non-Christian, and they were like, what? You what? You get to what? What? They look at me like I was legit crazy. Like, how in the world can you even, I, I, I don't even understand you. I don't, I don't even know how you're, how you're living right now, how you're even making it. How are you, how are you feeding yourself? <laughs> and I just like, you know, here's the, the reality is, is that Katie and I, we, we, made, we made that decision 20 years ago. Like we made that decision that no matter what it was that God placed in our basket, or in our bag, whether that was a baggie or a grocery bag or a larger, that we were going to honor God with whatever was in the bag. It didn't matter how big the bag was. We were going to honor him with whatever came into our bag. So, I want to ask this question. How do we start living this out? Like, what does this look like? And I'm going to say this first and foremost. um, (laughs) Start giving to God. And I know as soon as I say that, most of the time people are like, there he goes. He's going to take another offering. He wants us to give to the church, and uh, we're, we're, we need to start giving more money. No, no, no. Here's, here's the thing. Listen, that's, that's a command that God has, that's between you and him, that God has given to each of us as followers of Christ. For me, that's the base level of generosity. But my question is, how do you give to God? And, and when we ask that question, we start to run into some problems because God doesn't need anything, right? He, he doesn't need money for new brakes on his car because they broke. He doesn't need me to go babysit his kids so that he can go on a date with his wife, right? God doesn't need anything. So how do we give to God? And I would say this, first and foremost, start investing in what God invests in. Start investing in what God invests in. John 3.16 says that, that uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son for who? What? For whosoever believed in him whosoever. In other words, people. God invested everything he had in people. And so if we're going to invest in something that God is investing in, invest in others. If you want to invest in God, invest in other people. If you want to have joy, and it seems, it seems weird to us, if you want to have joy, this blessed life that, that he talks about, we actually receive it not through receiving things for ourselves, but through giving. And it, it completely plays with our American culture. Like, I just don't understand, Pastor Justin, because I kind of feel happy when I get the new iPhone. It was good. How long did that last? Well, until the new iPhone came out. And all of a sudden, I wasn't happy again. Let me just tell you, if you want a life that is truly healed, whole, put together right now, with more and more of that life on the way, you don't get it through receiving. Jesus says that we are more blessed by giving than receiving. Amen? You can clap for that. It's good. Why don't you stand with me? <laughs> so I don't know where you find yourself in these mindsets today. Like, we've went through three of them. Like, Maybe you find yourself in like this bag mindset, like you feel like I'm looking at my bag and I, and I just don't feel like I ever, I, I want to be generous, but I don't have enough. I don't have enough to give. I don't have enough to be generous. Um, 
And you don't even want to think about giving because giving means that I'm going to have less in my bag and right now I don't have enough or I have a hole in my bag or I just don't even understand why I'm losing it and I can't even keep that which I have. And I would just say this, maybe for you, maybe God is, is calling you to start trusting in him and not in your bag. Yeah, but this is where I get my stuff. No, that's where you store your stuff, but you get your stuff from him. Everything that comes into our hands that gets put into any sized bag comes from the, the Father of, of heaven, their creator. He gives us everything that we have, that we hold, that we think is our own, is really on loan, including your children. He gives us all of these things that we think that we own, that are on loan to us. Maybe God is calling you to stop trusting in your bag and start trusting in him again. You, maybe you've been in that place where like, I used to do that and I used to, but I've kind of gotten away or my bag got bigger. <laughs> it's harder to trust him with a bigger bag. I understand that. I do. When you got nothing, nothing is nothing. When you got something, it's something. It's harder to give. It's harder to be generous. It's weird. You think that you'd have more. We live up to our means. Maybe you find yourself in the basket mindset. Like you just, you get, over, you get overjoyed when you get to meet a need. And so you, you look around, you find needs that you can meet, and you just, get, you just get excited. You understand what it means to be delighted in giving. You get it. You don't understand what it means to be a cheerful giver. Maybe for you, God is just calling you out to say, I want you to start looking again. I want you to start looking around at people around you that are in need because I want you to start meeting needs in people's life again. You did it, you used to do it, but you've gotten away from it. But I'm telling you, those who have that basket mindset, this is rising up on the inside of you again. Like you got, I got a hundred bucks sitting in my pocket right now. I can't wait to go give it to my waitress today after church. That's, there's something in you and maybe God is calling you, start, start dreaming again of what it is that I want to do with the things that I've placed into your hands rather than trying to figure out how you're going to manage it well. Have a basket mindset. And maybe for you it's the barn mindset and you realize like, isn't this, this stuff is, isn't just for me. I can't take it with me and you're just asking the Lord like, Lord, what do you want me to do with it? How am I supposed to invest this in the kingdom? How am I supposed to invest this in the things that are important to you? Because remember, fullness is not measured by what we contain Fullness is measured by what overflows. Always. In every aspect of our life. Because I believe that God wants us to live a blessed life so that we can be a blessing to other people. And when we receive a blessing and we hoard it for ourselves, we're actually stopping the blessing from actually living out and causing fruit to grow. We think that in essence, I've got it. Thank you so much, Lord. And he says, I gave so that you could give. I blessed so that you could be a blessing to other people. It's good. It's good even if you don't like it, it's good. The barn blessing. I wanted to just pray with you today. Like, I, I wonder if you just allow the word of God just to kind of wash over you today. Allow the word of God to be able to be a mirror held up in your face so that you can truly see maybe some areas of your heart that are a little dark, a little dank, a little like, I, I, I've kind of closed that area of my life off to you, Jesus. I, I used to do this and yet I just, 
I don't know. Maybe it's an area of trust that I don't have like I used to. Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I love that. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Now here's the thing. Either God is lying about that or there's something to it. And I know it doesn't make sense. Either God's a liar or there's something that maybe we haven't tapped into that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would just be working in the hearts of people today. Lord, we want to come to be more and more and more and more like you. We want to trust you with whatever's in our bag, no matter what size it is. We don't put our trust in a bag. We put our trust in our provider. We put our trust in our healer, in our savior, in our creator, the one who gives us breath. Lord, we choose to trust you above anything else. And so Lord, we come to you today, each and every single one of us, with a different bag, with different amounts in it, with different giftings, with different talents, with different leanings. Lord, with with different amounts of time and all these things that that we can offer as gifts to others. Lord, I pray that we would trust you as we look in our bag and say, I would be generous, but I don't have enough. Lord, that you would cause an overabundance and that out of the overflow of that, we would choose to serve you and to invest in others because we want to invest in you. So Jesus, as we sing this last song today, as we lift up your name, as we lift up your name, I pray you would be drawing people to yourself. Maybe you've got an area of your life today where you're just like, you know what? I want to get back into that that area of my life that I've allowed the devil to steal my joy from. I I, I used to be cheerful. I I used to be generous. And yet I've turned that off in my life. I want to renew that in Jesus' name. Maybe today you've got an area of, of sickness or in your body or whatever that is, whatever that looks like in any area of your life, I want you to take the opportunity during this last song to make your way up here along the front. We'll have some people up here that would love to pray God into your situation and agree with you to see God move on your behalf. And so Jesus, I pray that as we lift up your name, as we worship you today, may you be made great in our life, in our families, in our marriages. Lord, in the bags that we hold on to so tightly, may you reign supreme. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.